There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. The board you can't afford special. From the Scottish Edge Final and Awards 2022 at the RBS Conference Centre, Gogerburn, Edinburgh. Good morning. Morning. Hunter and Hockey special show this week, Tom. Scottish Edge is a wonderful thing led by the wonderful Evelyn MacDonald. And it basically helps because there's no market mechanism for early stage finance in Scotland. So therefore, young companies come and they pitch and they can win up to £150,000 for their business. And over the years, we've been involved ourselves, Royal Bank of Scotland, the Scottish Government. We have given out £20 million, Willie. Amazing. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. So, ladies and gentlemen, Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hawhey are two of Scotland's most inspirational entrepreneurial leaders. And it's a real honour to have them both here today to deliver a bespoke Board You Can't Afford session. So Tom's entrepreneurial journey uh, quite literally started from the back of a van and then grew to become Europe's largest independent sports retailer, sports division. He sold that business in 1998 for £290 million and has since established his private equity business, West Coast Capital, philanthropy offering, the Hunter Foundation. So Tom has been hugely influential in helping make the Scottish Edge competition the success that it is today. And it's been, he's been involved in supporting it since its conception. And Sir Tom has also added some extra incentive to round 20 of the Scottish Edge. He's going to offer some of his valuable time to spend with the top prize winner selected from across either today or tomorrow's finalist. Lord Hockey started City Refrigeration in 1985 with four employees and reached a turnover of £100,000. City has now transformed itself from a refrigeration company into one of the largest privately owned integrated facilities management companies in the world, and turnovers now exceed one billion. Willie is also no stranger to Scottish Edge, having been a judge at the final and also supported an initiative to bring more funding in Edge uh, to allow competition to support even more winners. So ladies and gentlemen, please give a huge welcome to Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Oi. Gentlemen. Thank you very much and um, good afternoon everybody. It's great to be here at EDGE. Um, a special thanks to Evelyn and Stephen and all the team at EDGE for putting all this together. I don't think there's any other place in the world that you could hear in the morning a pitch from someone trying to stop pirates, someone trying to sell water for your whiskey, or somebody trying to find a medical cure. So. Good on you, Evelyn and Stephen and all the team. So I think it's worth asking Willie, because Willie doesn't talk about it a lot, but now that I've got the microphone, he, there's nowhere he can go, about 
why he wanted, because while he owns the radio station, he doesn't talk about that either. And um, why you wanted to put on a business show, Willie. So what was your inspiration for that? Good starter, Tom. Thank you. Um, first, can I say to Evelyn, I'm delighted to be here. It's a number of years since you asked me to uh, be a judge. I actually think I was chairman. I wonder why I never get asked back. I don't know what happened. But uh, to, to talk about the show, um, we have been involved for many, many years, no one more so than yourself, and try to help and encourage up-and-coming entrepreneurs. And we've been trying to build a conveyor belt, you know, from start to, to, to finish. Uh, and for me, I thought there was something missing uh, in the entrepreneurial network. The, the connectivity had got a bit fragmented, and I thought the show could be the catalyst, and it could be the, the vehicle for putting word out there about what business needs you know, our complaints, our solutions, our ideas. Hopefully we could maybe lobby the government on a few things. So that was the, the whole rationale behind setting up the Go Business Radio Show. And I think, to say now, I think we're heading into our third season. I think that um, we've, we've probably set out, we've achieved what we set out to do, and hopefully it will grow and grow and grow. Yeah, so we're, we're always keen to get the feedback from the entrepreneurial community. What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What do you want them to hear more of? less of, as long as it's not less of me and more of Willie, I'm all for that. But um, we're, we're really keen to listen to the customer and, and you are our, our customers. I don't think there's many other um, radio shows give time to business. And why we're both so passionate about you, the entrepreneurial community, it's, it's very, very simple. Um, and an ever-changing business world, the pace of change gets quicker and quicker every single year. And who are the people who can deal with the quickness, the pace of change, see the opportunity? It's the entrepreneurs. And it isn't the big companies because big companies, the bigger they get, the dumber they get, the more layers of management they get, the further they get away from the customer. And therefore, it's the entrepreneurs who are going to see the opportunities, who are going to create the jobs. And one of the things, we've got you in here from the Hunter Foundation today who runs it all, we say the best social policy ever written is a decent paid job. Who creates the jobs? You guys. That's why Willie wants to do the show. That's why we back Scottish Edge. We want to see you succeed. I know you want to succeed. But also the other thing, Willie, that, that happens here is that everybody, regardless, and they might be competitors, they want to see their fellow entrepreneur win. And I think that's something quite unique to Scotland. I mean, you do a lot more international business than me, but have, have you ever saw anything like this Scottish fervour to see your fellow entrepreneur succeed? It was great to see the pitches this morning. Uh, I, I caught the last four, and I seen obviously the, you know, the the social um, pitches as well, which were fantastic. But I think that uh, Scotland's in quite good shape, and a lot of it down to the efforts of Tom and the guys way back in the day. For you, just starting your journey, back in the day when I was starting, we only had the entrepreneurial exchange. 
which are, was a group of guys who had been successful in business, set up an organization where people like me who were just starting could go to various events, go to conventions. But the, the big main one back in the day was up at Glen Eagles once a year, and you'd go up there and you'd be in a room and you'd meet people like Tom, you'd people like um, Brian Souter, Gerald Weisfeld, or way back in the day, the, the pioneers of the entrepreneurial exchange. And then watching people who have been successful try to put something back to help people like yourselves and, and you know, who are just starting their journey as entrepreneurs. And I think the Entrepreneurial Spark, um, you know, Entrepreneurial Scotland, the eHub, you know, the bank have been great supporters. So I would think at the moment, when we started off, especially when Tom started off many, many years ago, there was no help. I'm a bit younger than him, by the way. <laughs> Don't let him kid you on. There's no, um, there was no help back then. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine 30 odd years ago when I was starting that you could turn up at a bank's headquarters in Edinburgh and somebody would maybe award you £250,000. Right, it's amazing. I couldn't believe that during the entrepreneurial spark time, that if you had a good idea and you had a good business, that we would supply you with premises, with telephony, with IT support, So, and it cost you nothing. Back in the day here, you had to give your keys of your house to the bank to get £30,000 before you could start a business. So to think how far we've came, I think in the last 20 years, we've went from the bottom quartile of successes for startup businesses to now because of things like Scale Up, Entrepreneurial Scotland, The Edge, all of these things contributed and have made a, played a major part now that we're actually in the top quartile of successful businesses. So the good news is for all the people in here today starting in your journey, right, the good news is 75% of you at least will make it. And that's great. So it's, it's really important. Another thing that's so important with Scottish Edge, it's not just about the money. All of you out there looking for money probably think it's just about the money, but you're not correct. Um, Evelyn and I have worked together for far too long, and we used to be um, working with the Princess Scottish Youth Business Trust, and in those days it was called aftercare. So it wasn't just we gave the cheque and waved you goodbye, but um, and therefore when Scottish Edge was in its embryonic stages and Evelyn got involved, we said, look, we understand it's not just about the money. And the thing that's important, and a, one thing if you take it away from here today, is that the peer-to-peer -peer support and learning, the people you meet here today, you might think that it's the most lonely journey, growing, starting, scaling your business. And it can be lonely because you think you're unique with the problems that you face. Well, I'll tell you what, there's probably someone sitting next to you sitting beside you in this room this afternoon who's faced the same thing. And I'm telling you, because it's Scotland, they'll be willing to help you. So make these contacts at Scottish Edge because you just never know when you need to phone a friend. Well, he doesn't take my calls anymore. But um, there will come a time where you need to phone a friend and it might be a friend that you met at Scottish Edge and it might just make the biggest difference. So rather than us yabbering on, Willie, I think this today, rather than what's on our mind, we want to know what's on your mind. So Evelyn, without further ado, let's start with the first question. Thank you, Tom. And I'm going to be cheeky because I'm the one holding the mic. So 
I'm going to ask the first question, if that's okay. So to you both, if you were first minister for a day, what would you change to support business in Scotland? Well, the first act I would do would be to immediately resign and appoint Willie because um, I can't take the pay cut. But seriously, to help business, and I think it's a very serious question and it's something we do talk about on the show a lot. So I would get, I would map out the sectors that are really important to Scotland and I would get people in and listen to them to say, what should we be doing? So I'd get Willie to talk about apprentices. It's something close to his heart. I would get Bob Keeler to talk about the transition of energy, Ian Wood. And I would, I would get you in to talk about what, can we, what more can we do to help entrepreneurs. And I would listen to people who know what they're talking about, get the experts, and you are the experts, and then make it happen. Because that, in that way, I mean, I've actually got a bit of sympathy, Willie will laugh at this, but I've got a bit of sympathy for politicians because people think they've got all the answers. And they don't. None of us have all the answers. And therefore, first of all, admitting you don't have all the answers and then getting people who have an answer at a narrow field. So that's what I would do, Evelyn. What about you, Willie? First thing I would do if I was the First Minister, um, every single company that started an apprentice could put it all against tax. Right. So, Great idea. Yeah. I think, especially in these trying times, that it's really, really important that we do something for the, for the kids, for the young people today. And I think that would be a great incentive for every company. And what we should do is we should threaten them. If you don't have apprentices, we're going to tax you. If you do have apprentices, you can put it against tax. So if I was, prime, if I was first minister, sorry, just gave, just elevated myself <laughs> there. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, for me, that's, that's to answer the question, Evelyn, that's what I would do. That's so while he talks about being elevated, if your illustrious leader has his way, there'll be no more House of Lords. You'll just be back to Sir Wally. You'll be the same as me then. Can't wait. Can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> Who's next for the questions? That was a good question, Evelyn. Thanks, oh, man. no, Goodwin. Ah, uh, well, you know, you know, I'm going to ask anyway. So. <laughs> um, going back in the days, uh, I know exactly what was going on at the time because I was part of that ecosystem. And um, there was no money, but um, there were quite a lot of interesting companies that did some amazing things. And I, I was fortunate to be one of them at the time. Also, the investment community obviously needs to play a more active role. And one thing I learned during that period is that if investors knows exactly who is doing what, mostly through the media, then they would want to be part of that company and they would want to invest. A lot of investors doesn't actually want to invest in businesses that nobody has heard about. So the question is, go radio business show how would it help to enhance the technology, innovation, ecosystem 
throughout Scotland so that you have a lot more stakeholders than they currently are? Thank you. Good question. Good question. I think the point you were making at the start of the question about, you know, is about everybody's ESG. And I think most companies now today are aware of that people on the outside look at your company, look at the behavior of your company, look at how, you know, like all the things at the moment that are all, you know, top of people's agenda is to make sure that everything is done right. I know within my business now, uh, and we were not perfect so over the last three or four years, hopefully we've addressed this. But there's no doubt now, especially if you're looking for funding, you know, um, big institutions giving out money, you used to look for certain criteria, you know, in your sort of ESG, and now they're just taking that as red. They want to know. They want to know what you're doing on top of that, right? So people are taking it to a new level every single day. I think it's it's really really important. Whether it's in technology, whatever it is, whatever the business is, I think it's and, and it's and by the way, it's not before time. So, yeah. are you thinking that there's not enough people in the general public understand the importance of right. business? Yeah. I mean, we talk about it on the show a lot. You know, people talk about all oh, the government's money. The government doesn't have any money. The government takes money from us through taxes and decides where to spend it. Therefore, if we get more people like yourselves starting and growing your businesses, the tax take, the tax base will grow and we'll be able to have the civil society we all want in Scotland. I don't, I don't disagree with, with anybody about the civil society we want to see, but I maybe disagree with how we're gonna get there. If we just keep piling the tax rate on you guys, then there'll be less of you. If we want to encourage more and grow the tax base, that will grow the tax take, and therefore it's about tax take and not tax rate. Anyway, thank you for your question. Can I just add to that? You, you know, when you mentioned about community, and this, this was about one of the reasons behind the, the programme, setting the programme up so that people could get a better idea and an understanding of what, you know, business was in a, a, a dirty word. So we've got a question um, from one of our finalists um, and then we'll take another one from the floor. So this comes from Jamie Burns from Ailsa uh, Reliability Solutions. And the question is, from your experience, what would you say are the key challenges or things for entrepreneurs to be cautious of as their business is growing? Number one thing for me, do not try and grow too fast. As you know, people can kill you with kindness by giving you an order that's too big. You know, I heard about the you know, the, the, the people this morning with the with the Birkin tree that, you know, we've got 20,000. If someone come in tomorrow, you know, you get a big deal with ASDA or whatever, and they say you want 100,000. Too many people have been put behind the eight ball in their growth journey that's actually meant they've been over. So just be careful that you don't bite off too much too quickly. It's a good question, Ken. and. Um You've heard me groan on about it all the time. And for me, it's cash flow. Be on top of your cash flow. Know every number in your cash flow. Know every number that pulls the levers in your business. And then you can afford to, you know, if it's going really well and you understand how the cash is coming in, then, yeah, go for it. But don't just blindly take on orders, as Willie says, you know, not knowing, one, how you're going to pay for them. Are you... Are you being asked to give customers credit? You know, um, one of the one of the key things I think as a small business, you've got to use that if you're dealing with a big business. And when they ask for credit, if they're asking for 30, 60, 120 days, you've got to say, look, I'm a small business. 
I can't finance you, Mr. Asda or Sainsbury's or whoever it may be. Come on, cut me a break here. It, it would be great if you could pay me up front because, you know, understanding the cash in your business is number one, number two, and number three. Coming next, more from the Board You Can't Afford special from the Scottish Edge Final and Awards 2022. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, part of the Scottish Procurement Framework for Managed Print Solutions, available to all public sector bodies and charities. Go there are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. The board you can't afford special. From the Scottish Edge Final and Awards 2022 at the RBS Conference Centre, Gogerburn, Edinburgh. Willie, uh, Tom, uh, Adam Hardy, Johnson Carmichael, great to have you here. Thank you. I'm a regular listener to all of the Go Radio You're the one. <laughs> now, your question, Tom, was uh, what else could we do with a business show and uh, you also touched on it in your what would you be as first minister for the day I absolutely uh, well I'm passionate about food and drink that's what I do in my job and I'd love to he hear and see the Gouridi business show talking about food and drink um, which is my sector you know you could have Gouridi business show let's talk food and drink let's talk tech you know ev every sector it's a it's a great sector and sadly I don't think our industry body in Scotland perhaps does as, as well as it might because we need to focus on hitting the market south of the border. 60% of all food and drink is sold in England, but we seem to have zero uh, Scotland food and drink people in London and we have 15 aboard where we uh, have 15% of our food and drink is exported. So we need to focus more on south of the border. And I just think more discussion about food and drink our number, you know, number one manufacturing industry would be great, please. How would you like to come on and talk about it? Oh, welcome. Got my calendar here. Well, I'm sure that Tracy and the guys will, and will just sit beside the guy that can help you set that up. I have another question that was sent in to us. So how do you get traction with your, for your innovation in an industry which is notoriously slow at adopting new ideas and changing. And that question's come in from Carolyn Hogg of Cascade Water Products, who along with her partner has um, developed a grey water recycling toilet. I've got a great answer for this. Way back in the day when we first started, when we were a refrigeration company, we started doing work in the licensed trade. And it's fair to say, that all their specification was a bit dinosauric, okay? So we were installing cellar cooling systems for the brewers. Back in the day, it started off with tenants. And uh, we would go along and say, here's the specification we want for you installing this equipment. So we would go in and put all the refrigerator equipment, like building a big chill room, right, for the, for the people in the audience. And outside, they would have all these antiquated electrical, you know, uh, earth leakage circuit breaker, a contactor, uh, uh, on-off switch. And I tried to convince them 
that look, there's much, there's, we can do much better than that, more modern, let's fit a control panel. Could I get them to change? No chance, right? They, no, no, this is a specification. It's laid down by a guy down in Stoke-on-Trent and we can't change it. We've got to say what he said, right? So an opportunity arose about 18 months later when this guy, the guy's name was Bill Little and he came up from down south and I thought, this is my one opportunity of showing this guy how we can, you know, make things a bit more modern. So I got my guys to make up this electronic panel and I absolutely bamboozled them with flashing lights and all sorts of stuff, right? And and the guy was taken and I said to him, Bill, you come on this way up. And what I, what I learned very quickly in an hour dealing with a guy, I had to make sure it was his idea, right? So I says, I've read some of your stuff, cutting edge, really good. And, I, and I, I, I believe that you're thinking about moving on in electronics and what have you. And he said, yes. I says, good. <laughs> I've got something for you to see. And I got my guys to build the panel. We set up my workshop and I showed them it working. And I said to him, allow me, remember this word, if you try to innovate, pilot, right? I said, let me do a pilot. Let me do one pub and fit this panel. Right, and I'll show you the difference this will make to everything. It'll be a bit cheaper, it's a bit more modern, but the information that I can get through these lights, so it meant that the lady in the pub could phone me who knew nothing and could say to me, the mains light is not on, so I knew it was an electrical fault. It's a low pressure strip, so you, really I was getting data away back then, 35 years ago. I'll never forget it. Took him to the cellar, he says, I'll let you put one in. We put one in. That was, that was, that was the start of the success of City, right? We would, we would go to pubs, publicans would talk to publicans and say, oh, have you seen the new gadget I've got? And guys would say to the sales guys, I want one of them. I want one of them. And then when we put them all in for tenants, Scottish brewers, who would never use the same contractor that tenants use, right, says, look, will you sell your panels to the company we use? To, I says, no chance. We'll come and do it for you. I says, you need to go over all this rivals, rivals. So... That one bit of innovation, that idea, not giving up on an idea, right? I can tell you that within the next nine years, I hate using this word, but we had saturation in the drinks industry. We installed every single cellar cooling system we put in the refrigeration for every single brewer. And there's 12,000 licenses in Scotland and city refrigeration was in every single one of them. So that's, that's how you innovate. You were a fridge magnet. <laughs> So what I would say is um, for every entrepreneur out there, you are going to be the chief salesperson for your business. And when you're trying to convince somebody, you've got two ears and one mouth, use them in that proportion. Listen to your customer. What, what barriers are they putting up for you and how are you going to knock them down? And the key thing that Willie did there was he had an easy ask of his customer. Can I do one pilot? It was an easy ask. Why would the customer say no? So think about what's the easy ask to get over any customer's objections to what you're trying to do for them. And then your product either works or it doesn't. And it's self-evident. But the easy ask is the key thing. And Willie's just articulated it perfectly there. Hi, Tom and Willie. My name is Michael Fink. I'm a recent transplant to Edinburgh from Boston. So please forgive me. I don't know when the appropriate time is to say Sir Tom and, and Lord Willie or, or just... Tom and Willie is appropriate. Great. Okay, thank you. Uh, I'm, I feel privileged to just in my third week here to be part of this event where you say that it's not only about money, 
it's about the network and it's about working together. And then also I'm excited to be working with a young company that you will hear later about. Uh, I would like to get your thoughts and your guidance on a current topic. Uh, capital is as expensive as it hasn't been in 20 years. So low risk appetite from investors, valuations are down and all that. Uh, for a technology developing company, how would you go about running fast to create cash flow and actually attracting first customers or building value? How would you balance that? What, what are your thoughts on this problem? Well, thank you for coming from Boston for that really difficult question. I wish your plane was delayed. Um, this is, that, that is the question, and we've been involved in financing some um, great technology companies. In fact, one of them started right here in Edge, TV Squared, and Callum, and um, the great thing when Callum comes back to speak is when he, when he won the money at Edge, we did not put any restrictions on him. A lot of investors will say, yeah, okay, you can have this, but you can't spend it on that, you've got to spend it on this. And he actually bought a round-the-world ticket, which no other investor would have allowed him to do. And he went round the world looking at his competitors, garnering market information, and he attributes that. And Callum's going to, he has signed the Edge Pledge so that when we did sell that company to New York-listed um, Innovid, um, Callum's going to put the money back in and, that's what makes this competition so, so valuable for Scotland. So I'm trying to waffle here and trying to think of an answer to your question. <coughs> Let me help you out. Aye. So hang on, Willie. I'm just going to hit it now, which is there isn't one true answer to this. Um, it's of, of course you've got to demonstrate customers or an investor ain't, ain't going to. Is somebody buying what you're selling? And too many businesses in the tech space, in my experience, wait too long. And I'll always say, have you, have you spoke to a customer? Have you picked up the phone? Have you listened? What's their objection? How are you overcoming the objection? What, what are you doing? And therefore, if you can demonstrate that you're solving a customer need, then I'm telling you the investment will flow. And it's down to you then whether it's debt, equity, are you someone who will give away equity? Um, is it, are you someone who wants to take on debt? These are personal things. And this is where the edge is so important because you can speak to others in here and listen to the mistakes others have made. And I'm telling you, once you build a trust with another entrepreneur in the audience, they will trust you and they will tell you their mistake and you don't need to make it. So that's a roundabout way of saying, I don't know the answer to your question. <coughs> I will, I will give you a good answer to your question. This is the, 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 the great things about the show. Each week we have an interesting guest from different sectors. And two weeks ago, so you must go on and get the app and listen to Jordan McKellar, who was on the show two weeks ago. So he's a great salesman. He will give you, he's a tech guy, and he will tell you his journey of growing his business, you know, from meeting someone at a church meeting on a Sunday morning to meeting two other guys, we bit of serendipity, he's got a bit of luck. How he walked in and bought a business for ten million dollars and he had no money, right? And he walked out. So for for it's me, me and Tom can't wax lyrical about technology, right? But what I can say is, listen to his story, 
and that will probably give you, you know, everything that you need. It's a fantastic story, and uh, one certainly, if I was in the tech industry, I'd be rushing to hear. And do me a favor, I've got an office in Boston. When you go back there, can you go around and ask them why the dividends never came last month? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Willie. Thanks for your question. Thank you. Thank you. So next question is from a former Young Edge winner, Hannah Taylor from Gut Feelings. And Hannah would like to know, what advice can you offer around getting over the fears of recruiting your first hire into the business? Goodness, the first hire. So again, when we are coaching um, entrepreneurs, we've got this saying, which is learn by doing. Too many people are a bit frightened to they want to get the last sale of their spreadsheet sorted. Have you spoke to a customer? Uh, no, but I've got to get... No, you don't. Speak to a customer. Speak to them early. Understand what they're saying. Listen. Two ears, one mouth. And when you're taking on people, you've got to do it. You've got to learn by doing. Willie will disagree with this, and that's fine. But my advice is to just get on with it. And you'll make your mistakes, but when you're making your mistakes, make them quick, make them cheap, and then get back on the bus. And don't, don't prevaricate, don't sit there and think, because the worst feeling in the world is, if only, if only I did that, if only I'd been there, if only, don't, don't let it come into your vocabulary, if only. Learn by doing, get on with it, What's the worst that can happen? Here's my advice about hiring. And I've stuck with this for 37 years. Whether it's your first employee or your 1500th employee, make sure that you think they're smarter than you. I'm serious. When my head of IT came to me a way back when we only had five people in the business and said to me, Willie, we need to I need to start someone to help me. I said, right, Jerry, one condition. He has to be smarter than you, and he has to know more about IT. This is back in the days. Uh, and I says, if you continue to employ people that are smarter than you, I'll tell you, your job will never be under threat as the boss. Hi, my name's Kara Smeaton, and I'm starting a business in an area that's not very well known and often quite misunderstood. So my question would be, what is your advice to people in a similar position to me um, who, when you're trying to get investment and get people to take you seriously. So what's your business? Give it a plug. Um, it's um, trying to hold things back for intellectual property reasons, but... Um, All right, you're not going to tell us then, okay. And, uh, it's, it's, a it's a workspace for people, yeah. Right. It's, yeah, it's a workspace for people, neurodiverse people, adults in offices and universities to help them be more productive. Um, and often people don't really know um, what even a neurodiversity is or how that could affect someone in the workplace. So when you're trying to explain that, sometimes you can be met with um, some questions. Um, so how would you handle that and really well, make your stance the, the easy answer to this one is, unfortunately, you're going to have to try harder. Right, seriously, when people don't understand something, you're going to have to knock double the amount of doors that everybody else in this room is going to have to, because people before they invest want to have a complete understanding. Hopefully what will happen, that you will get to someone where the penny has dropped and they get it, and, and on a, of an affinity, whatever you're trying to do. But I would just say, not knowing, you know, having a small idea about what you're trying to do, is that if you yourself know that this is how difficult it is, it, it will be tougher. It will be tougher. 
Yeah, one of the one of the key things for us when we're investing is we've got to get it in the first sixty seconds. Mm -hmm. Now that might sound tough to you, but if you cannot articulate what your business is and why it's better than the competitors or it's going to take market share or if you cannot hit it in sixty seconds, we don't have an attention span beyond that. Mm. I'm sorry. <laughs> Unfortunately that's the case. And practice in front of the mirror. <laughs> you could always Thank come you. up with another idea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I've got another question that was sent in to us. So this is from Brian Allen from Bearhammer Games, who was the first on stage to pitch this morning. So he said, how would you characterise the nature of doing business and making deals in Scotland versus other parts of the world? I have to make a terrible admission here. We send out 1.4 billion a year in invoices. I don't send one to Scotland. So I can't answer No that. Scottish customers, really? <laughs> no Scottish customers. No Scottish customers. None. Unbelievable. None. So, but what, <laughs> so I really can't answer it. I've never had the, uh, uh, way back in the day, back in the day when we first started, all my, it was all Scottish business, mostly all the brewers. But since we've grown into, you know, an international facilities management business, all our big clients are in the States, they're in Australia, Kuala Lumpur, Hong Kong, Singapore, you know, and, in Boston, Florida. So unfortunately, or I might think fortunately that um I don't um I've not had any experience of, of, of dealing with anybody in Scotland. So we do business in a foreign land called London, which is quite difficult down there for them to first of all understand what you're saying. Um but um I think the easiest place, it depends on your business, but the easiest place is to start run about yourself. Because one, you're going to get, I mean, there's this great Scottish thing that people want to see you succeed, Evelyn. They really do. And I, I, don't, I don't get that anywhere else in the world where I've been. So if, if it is a business that you can sell locally, start there, because that's the easiest. The further you go, and we, we made this mistake, you know, we thought by going to India, by going to America, that the returns would be bigger. But what happened was it, we, we didn't understand the culture. We thought in America, because it's supposedly English that is spoken, that it's, it's going to be the same, but it's, but it's not. Our friend from Boston will understand that. And um, culture's different. And the culture, because America's such a big place, the culture can be different state to state as well. And different laws, different ways people do business, and therefore... You need to take the time if you're doing business internationally to really immerse yourself in that market. And it takes time. And there's nothing beats the homework, um, frankly. And when we went to India, um, you need a partner in India. So choosing your partner, again, the first, first time we did it too quick, we made the mistake. We, we made a costly mistake. Um, then for second time round, we took our time to get to know the partner, get to know the partner's family, business associates, and it, it just takes a long time, Evelyn. And there's no shortcut. I have not found MD who's found a shortcut to doing business internationally. I don't know about you, Willie. I'll just go back to the Scotland question. Back in the day, you know, for the first 10 years of our, in our history, it was all Scottish-based, and it was great. It was fantastic. You know, it's easy to get to know people. It's easy to get to people. You know, back in the day when most things were in person, you know, everyone's about Teams and Zoom now. 
Um, so for I would just say that my experience of dealing uh, B2B in Scotland was, was fantastic back in the day, but unfortunately, I, I can't talk about it over the last 25 years. Uh, Willie, Tom, a uh, pleasure to um, to sit here and listen to you guys and the benefit of hindsight you've got. Uh, my name's Steve from Palaimon Maritime. I'm the pirate guy. Um, thanks. What do you think? Oh, awkward silence. Um, <laughs> uh, my question to you guys is, obviously, business is not all sunshines and rainbows. We Most most of the time, we see the kind of successful uh, people at the end, and we've got other exits. is great. But the question to both of you is, what was your lowest point in your respective businesses, and what did you learn from it? Well, it's very easy for me to tell you about it because it was the last financial crisis, and um, I had the great honour of losing over £250 million. And, um, but I'm still here. And um, so we had sold our business. Then within, we had, I had made the decision that I wasn't going to lead another business. I wanted to invest in others. I really enjoy meeting entrepreneurs. I think I understand entrepreneurs. And I think I can tell the good ones from the bad ones. Maybe not, but anyway. Um, and, and we had a brilliant time. And it's something that is really important. We had such a good time from starting and it just, we hit the ground running day one. We were making so much money and we got carried away. And it was totally my fault as the leader of that business. There was no one else I was going to blame and I'd never have blamed anybody else. I, I paid for that mistake. None of the rest of my team paid for that mistake. Monetary, I took on... 100% of the losses because it was my fault. And we were too thinly um, invested. We were not doing our homework. We thought it was too easy. And then the financial crisis came and I was humbled. And But the beauty of the lessons I learned there is during this financial crisis, we're doing fine. I would say that um, I've been very, very fortunate over... You know, 37 years in business, we've kind of been on an upward trajectory. I'm sure along the way there's been sort of bumps in the road, but probably the biggest disappointment for me was uh, landing a large customer in America where the potential of getting their whole contract was something like $660 million a year in revenue and then agreeing that we should have a pilot to see what it looks to see that if we both liked each other as partners, all our contracts are built on partnership. Um, and it's fair to say that we couldn't believe what happened during that pilot. That, you know, they were never going to be a partner. You know, and it, they were saying all the right things. It would be open book, it would be cost plus, it would be this. But then they had a document in front of them that said that the contract was one thing and they were trying to turn it into something completely different. And, and that happened, you know, because someone very junior was allowed to do that. There was no infrastructure above, you know, to the board. So I'd probably think that instead of, and it's not, not it was not the monetary side. The, the, believe it or not, the pilot was $42 million a year, right? So it was less than 10% of, of what they were spending in FM. The biggest disappointment was actually in dealing with the client every day when they were saying one thing across the table and you knew it wasn't true, that was that was a wee bit um, disappointing. So I'd probably say that um, that that's been the most disappointing thing that I've seen. But but Willie, you you saved yourself ultimately a lot of time, money, and grief by doing that pilot, yeah. because 
you get a contract and it says something, how did the people act? Never mind the contract. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you only need to go to a contract when things go wrong. Yeah, 100%. And, and we've got a kind of saying, you know, we end up with uh, legal contracts that look like this. And I agree when you've got a good client across the table, we both agree the first time we need to look at the contract, things are over. Right? And I've been very, very fortunate. We've got some of the largest companies in the world as clients. I've had them for many, many years. And luckily, we've never had to look at a contract. That's the power of a pilot. Coming next, more from the Board You Can't Afford special from the Scottish Edge Final and Awards 2022 at the RBS Conference Centre, Gogoburn, Edinburgh. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, providing secure archive storage to your business. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work-from-anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey at the Scottish Edge Final and Awards 2022. The board you can't afford special from the RBS Conference Centre, Gogoburn, Edinburgh. Question from Kev Walls. How important is peer-to-peer -peer support with new founders and is it being maximised in Scotland? This one's for me, isn't it? So you've, you've heard me. So let me tell you a quick story about why I'm so passionate about peer-to-peer -peer support. Um, Annie Lennox, who you all know, is married to a wonderful guy called Mitch Besser, who is a South African doctor. And um, I had the real pleasure of sitting with them one night and I got talking to Mitch and I was saying... So what is it you're doing? He says, well, I'm, I'm a doctor. I work in sub-Saharan Africa and I'm, I'm trying to help um, expectant mothers and I'm trying to stop the transfer of AIDS between the mother and the, the unborn child. I said, my God, <laughs> that is some deal. And he told me a story and this was the whole thing about peer-to-peer. -peer. And he said, we understood how this could be um, sorted medically, and we understood how to do it, but we were not getting through to the mothers. And then one day, one a very junior member of his team said, Dr. Besser, if you don't mind me saying, I think there's a fundamental issue here. And he went, yeah, what is it? He said, it's, she said, it's you. And he went, well, why I'd, I want to do the best for these mothers. He said, you're a white face, male, trying to tell a black mother what she needs to do. And it's not getting through for obvious reasons. Therefore, why don't we get another mother to speak to the expectant mother, tell her what to do, because that's her peer group. And out of that came, it's called Mothers to Mothers, which... Um, my wife supports, and um, that one epiphany there was just that, who's the best person to speak to that mother? Well, it would be another mother who'd been through it. 
Who's the best person for you as entrepreneurs to speak to? Well, it's another entrepreneur. Once you get to know them, they're going to be honest with you. They're going to tell you about their mistakes. You don't need to make these mistakes. And therefore, the power of peer-to-peer in almost every sphere of life now is so important. And that's why I'm passionate about it. And that's why things like Edge, when you can get together today, make the most of it. Because I'm telling you, one day you might need to phone a friend. You will need to phone a friend. And it might be a friend that you've met today. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great point. So you're all here today competing against one another. Don't let that stop you. Everyone here today exchanging details. Keep in touch. Because I'll guarantee you that there will be times when you have to speak to someone. And you think you're in a low. Things are not working out. And you speak to someone saying, well, that's nothing you should hear what's happened to me. Right, and it helps you. It galvanizes you and it gives you strength. So I, I couldn't agree more. And then the next level, the next level, if you go to scale up or if you, you, know, you end up in, in the, all these new networks, you cannot do better than being connected, right? especially if you're starting on a journey to set up a business. I would, I would say that peer-to-peer is absolutely vital. Hi, uh, Ken Stewart. I'm an NHS uh, employee, so I wondered what you think about the size of the public sector in Scotland. Is it too large, and is that a barrier to entrepreneurship? And how can we persuade public sector employees to make the leap? It's definitely too large. You know, was it 52% now, something like that? Um, I definitely think that the we are small enough in Scotland to, to make a difference, and we could certainly be a lot more entrepreneurial within our public sector. Vital, public sector is vital and we need to get the most out of it. You know, we've said, if, if you've not heard you know, the, the programme in the last few weeks, we've said that when we talk about the NHS and it being wonderful and unbelievable, we can only say that when we talk about the people in the NHS. The service is not wonderful. Right, I can give you an example of my own family this week. Right, so what we need to do is we need to help to get the funding that the NHS needs. We need to pay people accordingly. Right, who have not been taken care of over the past 10 years. I, I think for me, the, the public sector is somewhere where we could start, where we could show the world that Scotland could be better at doing things. And I think the NHS part of that in Scotland is, is the largest part. So I think we've got a lot of clever people, probably like yourself, that's got one hand tied behind their back when no one wants to hear about anything entrepreneurial, how you can make things better. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> On one level, it's very simple. If your public sector's bigger than your private sector, it's unsustainable. Because the only way we pay for the public sector is through the private sector. By paying our taxes, um, we can afford our wonderful NHS or um, not so wonderful NHS, as Billy might, might say. So therefore, any economy where the public sector's bigger than the private sector is not sustainable. Now, some politicians don't believe that, but that's a simple arithmetic fact. And then you get to the point of saying, if you have something like the NHS, which is so sacrosanct, but doesn't allow for the people who really understand what's going on in the NHS, the people who deliver the services every day, their voice needs to rise to the top because those people will have the answers to the delivery questions, et cetera, et cetera. If you have politicians thinking they know best how to run a national health service, I'm telling you that is wrong. 
You need to get politicians who are willing to listen, get the people who really understand what's going on around the table and come up with a better solution. That's the start of the innovation. That's the start of making it better. And that's the start of Scotland leading the world. Can, can I just, sorry, sorry. Can I just add to this? Last week, last Tuesday, I was talking at an NHS conference down in London and there was 300 people there from the procurement side of the NHS and a lot of people from the NHS Trust. And where I was really heartened was, I believe that there's a, a doctor down there called uh, Tony Young who, who was really, he got to the end of his tether when no one would listen to him many, many years ago in relation to ideas. And he actually set up an innovation hub within the NHS, working with the NHS. And I was absolutely astonished to hear there's over a thousand now startups and companies in there that are all trying with new products, some we've seen today. So I was really encouraged by this. And I think that they have come on leaps and bounds in the last few years. In fact, I got an email from them this morning asked me would I just come and talk to the thousand guys that are all like, like this today. So I was encouraged by that, but we, we should definitely encourage something like that in Scotland. Just before we, we, we finish, for those of you pitching today, pitching is one of the most scary things you'll ever do when you start your business, to get in front of a team of august judges and thank you for the judges. I mean, how many judges now are involved with the EDGE process, Evelyn? Uh, just under 100 we've used this round alone. So just over 100 judges come forward, give their time freely. They don't get paid. They're doing it because they care about you succeeding. And therefore, to come up in front of them to get your business idea, which you love, which you're passionate about, to try and get it over in the short time that we give you is a daunting task. But everybody wants you to succeed. The judges might not seem that they do, but they do. Everybody wants you to succeed. Your fellow entrepreneur wants you to succeed. Willie and I want you to succeed. But most importantly for us, Scotland needs you to succeed. Because the only way Scotland's going to prosper as a nation and as an economy is if we have a vibrant entrepreneurial culture and society where we're creating these companies, we're creating the jobs, we're paying our taxes, and we're paying for the civil society that we all want to live in. So good luck to each and every one of you when you're up pitching. Take the money. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you to Tom and Willie. Tom, the Edge has been so much fun. It's been a bit different for the show. Can't wait to come back and do the same next year. Brilliant. I've loved being at the Edge, Willie. And for all our listeners, <laughs> happy Christmas, um, because you're you're jetting off somewhere, so the, the show's having to finish early this year, Willie. Yeah, here's a Christmas gift to everyone who listens to the show. <laughs> we won't be on for the next four weeks. <laughs> so thank you to all our listeners. We want to wish them a very happy Christmas. And a prosperous new year, Willie. Here's hoping. We'll see you then. Good luck to the listener. Listen to Hunted and Hockey anywhere, anytime, whenever you get your podcasts. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Helping your business with document management, print and IT solutions.